Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Daniel Priori, and I'm joined by my very, 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 very special guest, uh, Adele Jackson Gibson, a writer, a movement coach, which I really want to get into with you. Um, you know, she, you know, went to Yale, <laughs> kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Um, you know, you could find her writings all over the place. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff there already that I want to get into. I don't want to blow it all in the intro, but how are you? Good. Um, you know, I just moved from Brooklyn to Oakland. So, well, within the past five months. So I'm enjoying um, warm weather and just more right. sun. So great. Well, you're originally from Oakland, right? No, I'm originally from Buffalo, but You're I originally from Buffalo. Yeah, so like cold, West Coast, like yeah, West Coast is really new to me. So oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Um, so you were born and raised in Buffalo. Yes, born and raised in Buffalo. Yeah, wild, I, I know wild like, place. No. Yes, Buffalo is wow. a wild, wild place. Uh, I had a couple friends that went to uh, UBuff, so I would oh, go yeah. up there from time to time, like for football games and stuff. Wild oh place. Yeah. You went for Wild. football. Yeah. You, you saw the best, the best of the best. Then. Yeah. <laughs> First question. Um, are Buffalo wings as good as people say? Ooh, that's a, that's an interesting question you asked me because you're talking to one person who does not enjoy Buffalo sauce. That's from Buffalo. Really? Yeah. I, mm, never really i can tolerate it now but i really hated it growing up um i'm a barbecue wing person i'm a teriyaki um, man myself oh teriyaki's great yeah so yeah. i like every other sauce besides buffalo um so i'm the wrong person to ask you really have to ask a buffalo wing aficionado if you will um, so how, how are the buffalo barbecue wings they're great that, all from right. buffalo, so we got, we got something. wings from buffalo are great awesome <laughs> yeah. awesome so uh what inspired the move out to oakland um well uh basically with the whole like pandemic and everything um new york was getting pretty intense and uh, my wife and i just wanted to have more space um she lived here for some time actually and really enjoyed it and so you know, everything just kind of pushed us to move here in the fall, and uh, we don't regret it at all. Yeah, see, I'm uh, I'm still in New York City. It's raining actually right now. Um, I was in Fort Lauderdale for about a year, um, and then I came back here, and it was cold, and I didn't like it. Uh, New York, <laughs> New York has actually been put in the shambles from this pandemic. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it will always have a special place in my heart. Uh, For sure. I love Brooklyn, and I will always be. I, I feel like I'll visit it like maybe once a year, but I think time for something new. That's all. New York is already stressful enough. It's uh, even more stressful when there's nothing open. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, you know, people are very passive in New York because, like, you know, when you walk by people in the street, there's not a lot of eye contact. No. Now it's now it's more eye contact. People are checking people out. I'm just like, this isn't the New York I know. <laughs> Everyone used to mind their own business. Now everybody's in everybody's business now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk about um your writing. Sure. Your whole your whole life you've been writing since you were a child. Has been something you've been passionate about, or was this something that you discovered later on? Yeah. Um, 
When I really think about it, I've been telling stories since I was a kid and that wasn't necessarily in writing. Um, some of my earliest memories in kindergarten were me like drawing like little doofy comics of this black cat named Tom and like I would draw little sequences and um, I had friends who would just like watch me draw and I would tell the story as it was as I was drawing it. Um, and then in my Oh, well, I went to a, um, a Montessori school for grade school, which is one of those, like, for people who don't know, this, this is kind of a school that doesn't have a lot of structure, like there's no desks and you just kind of learn in a really creative, flowy way. And um, my teacher had me writing the school plays, actually. I, it was just like, a, I, I don't know how I ended up in the situation or like who was inspired to ask me to do this, but I would write these like silly plays about this Australian frog that would just get lost and like <laughs> go on adventures and stuff. And um, I was just naturally doing it. And I was like fortunate to have teachers at that time who really, um, who really supported me, but then you know, I went to a regular school and I didn't write the, in the same styles as the teachers wanted me to. And um, by the time I got to college, I actually thought I was a pretty crap writer. Um, so I kind of put it away for some time. Um, and um, it wasn't until I, I wanted to play professional soccer by the end of my college career. And I tore my ACL and a whole bunch of other things and Oof. had a huge identi identity crisis. And um, moved to Japan, my story is wild, moved to Japan for a while yeah. um, and really just isolated myself to the point where I had this epiphany that what, what I wanted to do from then on was to tell stories and how was I gonna get paid doing that? The answer at the time for me was journalism. So that's how I started um, making my moves in that direction. Okay, first question off the bat, does Tom still come out? does not come out anymore Tom's I retired tom retired in, in uh, i feel like i need to bring tom tom back i think i think you need to turn tom into uh some kind of a children's book maybe yeah i or, mean I, or I the australian to, frog or the australian frog which i feel like my mom and my dad they have those old writings that i had i have to find them because i know the australian frog had a name but i can't remember it's all right. We'll find, we'll find out. It'll come back by the end of the show. Yeah. Um, so uh, where did you meet your wife? Uh, in Brooklyn. Yeah. In Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, in school, you said you kind of were going through like kind of like an identity crisis and stuff, but it seems like you were very active. You ran track, it says here. Yeah. Uh, you played soccer and you yeah. ran track at Yale and played soccer at Yale. Yes, correct. So my most- What'd you, my run, what'd you run in track? Oh, okay, okay, that's the question. Yeah, um, yeah. let's stay, let's stay there first. Yeah, so 100 meter, 200 meter, um, and I did the long jump as well. So I was, at every meet, I was doing those three events. Um, my college team was very small. If I had to do it again, and if I was on a larger team, I think I would have just exclusively done the long jump. Because, um, I don't know, I, I just think it's a lot of fun to-, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, but that's what I did. Me, me and you in 100, who's, who's winning? Probably me. <laughs> We're going to have to do that. 100, I could do. 200, okay. pushing it. 200 Anything painful, yeah. Anything over 200, I'm done. Yeah. I, I, I still have a couple 100-meter dashes left in me. 
Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a tie. I'm not sure. Listen, when you come back to New York, all right? All right. We have to dust them off. We're going to go hit right. the track. We'll hit this we'll 100. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, soccer. Uh, what position did you play? I want you to guess. <sighs> Center. Uh, left wing. No, I'll give you one more guess. Um, left back. You're getting closer. I was a goalkeeper. A goalkeeper. See that? No one ever guessed that. No, it's not, it's, no it, it's not the sexiest position, but it's the most important. Sometimes. No, unless if a person is like six foot plus, like no one ever guesses. I'm pretty short for a keeper, actually. Five seven. Yeah. Uh, I played soccer maybe from first grade up to like eighth grade. And then um, I started playing like football and stuff, American football. Yeah. But uh, that's a very, very tough game. Uh, I can't, that I can't beat you in, I promise. <laughs> uh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm, not ve- I'm not very good at that. Which one do you like playing more? Do you like doing track more um, or playing soccer more? I like... I honestly love both, which is why it was so hard for me to decide when I was getting recruited for colleges. Um, I think growing up in Buffalo and just the schools that I went to, soccer was just way more popular. There weren't as yeah. many people who were serious about track. So um, it was the, the path was so clear to me as to how to get recruited for soccer. So actually, I thought that was what I was going to do. And then I ended up going to a recruitment camp that Yale was hosting and their track coach was also there doing the warm up. So it was just kind of like, I don't know, um, a lucky chance that they got to see me play and run and they knew my numbers and everything. And then they were both like, yeah, if you want to do both here, you can do both. And so, um, and they happened to be good friends. So they worked something out. And so I was playing sports pretty much all year for four years um probably had a few months if and maybe a month off <laughs> per yeah year. right pretty it was pretty nuts um okay but that's interesting uh so you said uh college recruitment were there any other schools on your radar besides Yale um yeah so I was uh thinking I almost went to Williams College um Stony Brook was on the list staying in New York I see you yeah, I wanted some like local options too. Um, trying to think of where else I was excited about. Honestly, I fell in love the moment I got on campus um, with Yale. Um, and um, so I, when they were interested in me, I was just so laser focused there that I'm even forgetting the other schools I was considering. Right. But, um, yeah, I just, and I, and the other reason was my coaches, the coaching staff at Yale at the time was mostly black and I hadn't had that for most of my life. And so I was really inspired um, to play for them and run for them. Awesome. Uh, is the Harvard Yale beef as serious as everyone says it is? It's pretty serious. Um, I, I would say Yes, serious in the way that people joke about it all the time and like okay. it's fun to like banter. Um, every Harvard Yale game that I've been to has been so freaking cold. Like it's, it's, it's like <laughs> not my favorite event. Of yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, it's it's a serious it's a serious thing. Um, 
and especially when it comes to not just the football game, but the um, the soccer rivalry was really intense, like really, 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 yeah. really intense. Um, so, yeah, it's a real deal. Super cool. So uh, you're of a uh, West Indian uh, descent. Yeah, Jamaican and Guyanese. Okay. All right. Um, listen. I've always wanted to go to Jamaica. I'm actually going. My uh, my girlfriend's friend is getting married, and okay. I'm and I'm going there uh, mm-hmm. next year for the wedding. Culinary dishes. I need to know what I need to try when I'm there. What do you need to try? I mean, always. I mean, everybody knows jerk chicken. You definitely yes have that. Um. One of my favorite things, it's not a food, but one of my favorite things uh, drinking growing up was um, Irish moss. So if you like sweet stuff. Um, Irish like moss, okay. Irish moss drinks or the carrot juice drinks that they make, I just loved. Um, curry goat. Oxtail, curry goat. Mm. Curry goat, oxtail. Um, or, these are all staples. You're going to find it everywhere. Yeah. Um, the seafood is really good if you're in a coastal town. Yeah. My thing is when I travel, it's more about like uh, the food is more important than the sightseeing for me sometimes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, no, I just want to, I just want to go and eat. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. Um, I'm trying to think what else those, those are, I would say stay, start with those. Those are like the basics and go from there. And then I'll get a little crazy after that. Um, <laughs> I want to talk, I want to talk about, um, I always ask, where, so where did you meet your wife? How did you guys end up linking up? I always like to know about love stories. So um, so tell me the whole story. Uh, you can give me the cliff notes, but, um, you know, I love true love. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm big on love. I love love. Who doesn't love love? Yes. <laughs> um, I So we had met at a party, actually. Um, it was one weekend where... Um, I had actually been um, dumped by somebody. Ghosted is Ooh. more accurate um, by somebody I was seeing at the time, and I was really depressed that weekend. And um, I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna go on, gonna go out. I've been cooped up in my apartment all weekend. I'm just gonna go out with people, some random people I actually met off of Tinder um, that became sort of friends. And I was like, okay, what are you doing? Let's hang out and like party or whatever. Um, the uh, West Indian Day parade was going on um, in Brooklyn. And so we went there, um, she and her friends and I, um, and then she, they took me to a queer party after that. Um, and I was just like, you know, I was okay. I was feeling like not super outgoing. I wasn't trying to like um, interact with people too much. And they were, were you were you out like just kind of like uh, in spite of the ghost? Yeah, I was like out yeah, in spite yeah. of the ghost, like just doing my thing. And you know, all these group of girls that I was with, they're trying to like pick up and flirt and whatever. And I wasn't there. Right. It's just too raw, too soon. And then um, they were like, oh, Adele, like, who do you think is cute or whatever? And I was like, ah, I'm not doing this. Like, I'd, I'd rather not. And they're like, no, 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 come on, like, tell us, tell us. So I pointed at this woman who was dancing on the dance floor. And I was like, oh, like her, she's, she's cute. And they're like, you have to go talk to her. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm really going to stay in my corner. 
and they're like, no. <laughs> they're pressuring you big time to get out yeah, there. Yeah, I know. They grabbed me and they literally pushed me into her on the dance floor. And um, then we started dancing and then um, we really connected and we talked afterwards and, um, you know, and she, um, this is Magdalene, my wife, she was also there because her friend was like, come on, like, come to this party. Like, she didn't even really want to go. And then, so we were pushed into each other. We kind of, we didn't kind of click, we clicked. And then, right. you know, you know, four years later, we're married. <laughs> and I so, have you know, people that took me out ever since. <laughs> really? So they don't know? They do know. I mean, oh, okay, good. And stuff, but we don't like, we don't like hang out and stuff. Right, right. So, um, it, it Whoever ghosted of, you, you should just text them back now and say thanks. Yeah, I know. So that's really, that's what you should do. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm so grateful for that day and um, for you know like sometimes the most painful things end up being the gifts that you don't understand. Sad, sadly, that's a lot of it. It's just you know you got you have to go through that kind of hard time. Um, so uh, your wife, your background, what's her background? Um, so my wife is a, um, she's a social worker and a yoga cool. instructor. So she currently works with high school students. All right. So she, she's in on the movement as well. Yes. Mostly right now she's mostly just counseling kids, but, um, okay. cause we just moved here. We're figuring out what we're doing. Right, right, right. Yeah. Social work, tough gig. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those commendable jobs. Uh, I, I worked with underprivileged youth for about three years. And you take your work home with you a lot. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very tough, tough gig, especially when you get to know some of these kids and realize how tough some of their home life is. And yeah. um, the thing that I always found amazing where when I was working with underprivileged youth was just seeing how different a human life can be for mine. And I'm talking exponentially different mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of, you know, for lack of better words, I'm like, these kids don't have shit, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it's, it's a very tough job. It's a very commendable job, mm-hmm. uh, you know? And sadly, you know, uh, the world economically is as backwards on who should be making the most money and who shouldn't be. Yeah, it is. So, yeah. so, you know, it's one of those jobs. Uh, yeah. The other thing, the other thing I wanted to ask you, um, I read this. What the hell is francophone? Francophone. Oh yeah. Um, francophone. What the hell is that? Yeah, francophone is um, anything in relation to France. I the definition might not be fully accurate, but what I mean by that is um, I studied francophone literature, which meant literature that came from um, France's territories or colonies or that used to be a French colony or territory. So French-speaking countries. Okay. Um, so, um, and yeah, obviously so that's, that stretches to like the islands and stuff. Yeah, so it's basically the language, the, the dominant language that's spoken in that country. So yeah, so Anglophone would be English-speaking country and Francophone. Yeah, that's the definition. Francophone is um, French-speaking. What the hell made you want to study that? Um. I'm a weird person, but I, I own you that. and me both. Trust me. I, I own that. Um, I so again at this Montessori school that I was at, um, this grade school, they only had a French teacher. So I'm that one 
one of the few Americans who goes in grade school to start French early because I don't have any French speaking people in my family. So, and my parents, since I was young, and I think this has to do with being first generation immigrant, but they were always just like, you know, you need to see the world and you need to like know other languages. They always like push that on us, but like not in a, you know, pressure type way, like I enjoyed it. Um, so I started studying French and then when I got to college, I wanted to keep it up. Um, I liked reading, I liked writing still. Um, and I was like, okay, so Francophone literature it is, kind of it combines everything. Um, so that's that's why. <laughs> Listen, uh, see, like I, I kind of had a, a different experience. Uh, my grandparents uh, were, were first generation, you know, they were, they were immigrants. Um, they wanted my family, my parents to speak English mm. because um, my mom grew up in East Tremont uh, in the Bronx, Puerto mm. Rican woman, very, very racist time uh, growing up in the sixties and seventies. So her parents, you know, she speaks Spanish, but they were like, you know, we want you to, we want you to speak English, like mm. as your main language. Um, and then my mom never taught me Spanish. So I, I bother her all the time about it. She was like, you know, she was like, I just wanted you to like be American. But now I'm just like, now I'm, I'm not as cool. Mm. I'm not as cool. I, I would like to be able to speak Spanish. You know, I, I know, you know, a lot of people look at me and they think I speak Spanish. And then, you know, I don't, I don't have the ability. So I kind of yeah. feel stupid. You yeah. know what I mean? No, first but, um, generation, second generation immigrant experience is like so different and wild, especially like, because my parents were, their native language was English. So I guess they didn't have like right. the urge to like push English on because it was already there. Um, but I know like my wife is Dominican. And um, so her first language is Spanish. Um, and then she had to learn English. And so her relationship with English is different than mine. Um, because she had oftentimes had to, you know, translate for some of her family members and stuff like that. Right. And that's responsibility right. and like, you know, the pressure to learn English was like way more intense. So it's like yeah, the immigrant yeah. experience is different for everybody. Um, also, I wanted to ask you, mm -hmm. uh, being Jamaican, mm -hmm. all right. I don't know if you're familiar with Chet Hanks at all. Of who? I've of Chet heard. Hanks. Of no. Chet Hanks at all. All right, so uh, he's Tom Hanks' son. Okay. And um, obviously we all know Tom Hanks is a, is a very white man. Yes, he's a very white man. <laughs> he's, he's a very bad, if you look at a white man in the dictionary, it'd be Tom Hanks, right? <laughs> uh, his son uh, has been speaking, uh, uh, attempting to speak Patois. Really? Oh. Uh, uh, on a regular basis. So if you want a good laugh, I would go check out uh, Chet Hanks trying to speak Patois. You have to go down the whole rabbit hole. Uh, for some reason, I find him very interesting. But uh, I've been asking a lot of my, you know, uh, Jamaican friends, how do they feel about this? And they all just start like cracking up laughing. And it's like, I don't know what he's doing. Um, <laughs> when does the Patois come out for you? Um, it sadly does not come out that much. <laughs> not, not that much. And if it does, no. somebody's in trouble probably. No, it, it, what I mean is I need to work on it. It's not, oh. not super ingrained for me. Like my, so my dad's accent is pretty thick. Um, and it like gets thicker when he's around his brothers or like my grandparents. Mine's to let loose mom, a little bit. Yeah. My yeah. mom 
she has really refined Caribbean accent. So it's like almost not there. Like she grew up in like, I wouldn't say she was, her family was rich, but they had status. So they were always around like, like more like the British sort of, um, I don't know, like uh, family that had like a purist, like right, accent, right. whatever. So combining that, having two different accents in my house and then growing up in Buffalo, which is like pretty white um, in the areas Super that white. I grew up in. Yeah. yeah, I did not really have the Patois kind of ingrained in me. Like I could, right, I right. could understand it. Like, you know, um, Beanie Man plays on the radio. I know exactly what he's saying. I probably don't want to repeat most of it. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it doesn't come out naturally for me. If I had a book of poetry written in patois i can i can do the whole okay thing. i'll have that on me <laughs> yeah i could read i could read spanish uh fairly well because like you know i studied it in school as well and then you know i know what i'm getting yelled at in spanish that's yeah. for sure yeah um yeah. do you speak spanish i have to learn you have to learn you you get yelled at in spanish too i'm sure i've been yelled at in spanish i've been talked about in spanish my sister <laughs> spanish because they talk they um they studied it i didn't um Magdalene obviously speaks Spanish her family does so right sometimes there's some conversations going on that I'm like um what'd you say yeah, yeah. what was that um, but much. do you speak but do you speak French I do um fluently a little bit right now but yeah uh-huh wow so um how long do you think it could take an adult to learn another language I mean I think it depends on what you've learned in the past and like how open you are to just like sounding kind of dumb for (laughs) some time. I honestly think that learning languages is is mainly like you got you got to try it and you have to interact. It's so dope. Yeah. Yeah. Like being able to speak multiple languages. I wish. It's fun. Um, I mean, but I, I, I do think, I mean, studies say for adults, it just, takes longer but I, yeah. I've been lucky to be in well one French I started way early but when I was learning Japanese it was a really immersive experience for me that's what um, I was going to get into next yeah it's like really just getting into the environment um so I have to be braver about the Spanish thing I have not done that yet because there's Spanish speakers everywhere um but I have Duolingo I have my workbooks and I need to just practice so Jap- Japanese fluent um I was I would say both of my languages are now rusty because I'm not using them as much anymore but yeah Japanese was fluent for some time what the hell inspired you to go to Japan <laughs> I Japan is dope anyone I've ever talked to that's been to Japan has been like dude it's so dope uh Japan is is pretty cool um since I was a kid like the whole Dragon Ball City thing was just like life yes who's your Um, who's your favorite character um gohan gohan was my favorite for a while it was trunks i'm a fajita guy i'm a fajita guy because he was always like kind of mean but like you knew he had a good heart yeah i know but i but i call my brother michael like kakarot all the time really oh my gosh yeah yeah so yeah majin buu i like too you like the what majin buu a majin buu oh yeah 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 um, I actually have, I have my hat here. Uh, it's not in here anymore, but I, I had my, um, my boo hat, um, that I wear every day. So anyway, um, 
I fell in love with Dragon Ball Z and then I got really into video games and anime. And um, at some point I had to realize where a lot of these things came from and that was Japan. Yes. Um, and then um, I just wanted to learn the language just to like actually understand what was going on a little bit more. And so I studied it in college. And by the time I graduated, I was like, where the heck am I going to use this language? I have to go to Japan. Um, and when my whole soccer career kind of like got flushed down the tubes, I was like, okay, I'm just going to take this job teaching English abroad in Japan and actually learn about the culture and the people rather than like being uh, just a voyeur from like pop right. culture. Um, because it's just, it's not, it comes from there, but it's like not what the place is like. So I just um, really enjoyed spending my time there, but also was very isolating. <laughs> I was in the middle of the countryside. I wasn't in like sexy Tokyo or anything right. like that. So I was really, um, I had an intimate relationship with um, the countryside culture there, so. The, the one thing I've always heard about Japan too is uh, the people are also like very passive there, but like um you know it's like if you're kind of making a scene they're like kind of a to b like trying to get to wherever they need to be but all of my friends who i've spoken to who have been black have been like dude it's been crazy over there really yeah so a couple of my friends uh played uh basketball over there oh yeah that's a popular thing yeah so they would just be like we have to take a picture with you so my my friend is just like oh that's kind of cool but then it's like eh. It's like, you know, like, you know, they would stop them in stores and be like, I need to take a picture with you. But they would just be like, it's a culture shock for them. One thing mm -hmm. I'll also say about Japanese people, super drippy. Drippy, like, like fashion. They know how to dress. Oh, yeah. They know how to dress over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say mostly like Tokyo area where um, the fashion districts are. Yeah, they're really, yeah, I really enjoyed observing their style. Yeah. And they, they love Western culture too, though, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like Western culture is just everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, Our bad. Um, yeah, just TV, like hip-hop, and um, even reggae, too. Um, I feel like mostly in the metropolitan areas. Right. Um, you go elsewhere, and like people are like, oh, this is new. Like, yeah. Um, about it. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that they're they're curious about it. Yeah, sure. Favorite video game to play right now? Uh, I, I just started getting back into video games um, because I felt like I had an unhealthy relationship with them at one point, but got back into it and I'm playing um, Seven Deadly Sins on my phone. Um, oh, cool. Props. Yeah, um, that's yeah. one of my favorite animes to watch right now, actually too, so. Yeah, I just finished uh, Final Fantasy VII, uh, the remake on, oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, on PlayStation 5. Very fun. Uh, they're coming with another one. So they're like kind of doing it in different, I think three games they're doing the game throughout. Um, I never got into Final Fantasy and I'm not sure why. I, I don't it's know. It's awesome. Really? It's awesome. And then um, I was playing um, uh, Abe's Oddworld. Do you remember those games? No. It's like Abe's Odyssey. It's like a really fun game. Uh, and then I'm actually building a PC tonight, uh, wow. for my, for my Twitch streaming, uh, wow. which will be fun. Yeah. Um, so 
you tear your ACL. Do you know your ACL is torn when you tear it? Or do you just, I, I don't, I've always asked people who tear their ACLs, what's the feeling like? Um, I don't think I knew that it was torn, but I, it's hard, it's hard to say because I had a bunch of other things torn when it, when it tore, which I think tend to be more painful. Like I tore uh, medial and lateral menisci um, and I sprained my MCL, which is the inner um, ligament. So like a whole bunch of stuff happened. But I, yeah, I, I don't say, I, I feel like it wasn't super painful, but I was on the ground and I, something in my body told me, don't get up, something's off. And it wasn't like a, like a tackle. It wasn't anything. I just like jumped and I landed and then, I was like, oh, nope. <laughs> something's that's off. gotta be, that's gotta be obviously your, your, you know, your dream, honestly, for, before that moment was to keep playing soccer, right? Yeah, um, at the time, so my college coach had, was one of the assistants for the U23 national team, and he asked me to try out um, that year, um, for, during that winter, actually, for whichever tournament was happening that year, and I was training for that. Um, so when I tore my ACL, literally the second game of our season, um, second mm. or third, I was like, I was torn apart. I also had broken my arm, my humerus, which is really hard to break the year before. How'd you, how'd you break it? <laughs> I went up to punch a ball out of the box over somebody's shoulder and I jumped over them and then I couldn't land on my feet. So my elbow hit the turf, which, you know, underneath all that turf is cement. cement. Yeah. And I didn't break my elbow, surprisingly, but I snatched my humerus in half. Um, and is the went, humerus a very thick bone? The humerus is one, I think it's the second toughest bone in the body next to the femur. So when I went to the ER, they were like, were you in a car accident? Yeah, geez. <laughs> no. It was just some freak accident. And I didn't have to, usually it needs surgery. Thankfully, I didn't need it. And the bones were close enough together that they were able to heal on their own, but... Yeah, I had like junior and senior year were really tough years for me after literally like two decades of like never being injured or hardly injured in my life. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think life was trying to pivot me. And um, now that I'm older, I think I see that clearly, but. In the moment, it's gotta be a very depressing time though. Yeah, in the moment it was just, it was really hard for me to um, feel whole to like feel like my life had meaning because so much of my life was like centered on being good at a sport. Um, right. Good at school too, but I still didn't think, even though I was at Yale, I didn't think I was smart like the other kids because I was recruited and like all this stuff. So um, I thought sports was, sports was me. Sports is what I was good at. So, yeah. What, what I always wonder too, um, uh, what, what is race like? Uh, at a huge Ivy League school like that? Um, is it, you know, uh, I feel like, um, you know, a lot of people don't really talk about, you know, race relations in college as mm -hmm. much as they do. Uh, yeah. I'm always very interested to hear what people's, you know, individual experiences are like, especially people of color when they go to these, you mm -hmm. know, these big Ivy League uh, institutions. 
Yeah, um, that's a good question. Cause like you said, I don't, I haven't hardly been asked this much, but um, when I visited Yale and when I um, started attending it um, as a black woman, um, I actually felt comforted at first because I felt like it was one of the more diverse schools, private right. schools that I had seen. Um, and I felt like there were a lot of people of color who were like me, who had similar experiences, you know, like were um, basically one of the few kids in their class who was a person of color or, you know, spoke differently or like um, their parents were immigrants and um, they had similar experiences to me about like school always being number one and like a minus never being good enough and like yeah. all that stuff like I felt like I was more at home there than I had been in high school um and it, that was cathartic to me to like share that with other people um well that's got to be a lot to get off your shoulders too because yeah. it's like it's it's kind of like you're free for the first time yeah and, and, I was, and you can I, express was, yourself yeah free to express myself it was an opportunity to just like recreate myself where I didn't have to try to fit in I didn't have to like pretend to like look whiter or like be feel like at home with whiteness um as much because there right. is some of that at these school like it's still the dominating culture so um you know uh it's not absent but I was more comfortable now I I think one of the toughest things um at Yale is and at Ivy League institutions is that they're such like they're old old ass institutions. Yes, old money. Yeah, and very um, white. Very white, founded by white men, not even open to women. Um, like literally, only started. Well, I think Yale was like relatively recent if you think about when these colleges started admitting women. So there's some aspects of the culture that you're just like uh do we have to do this anymore like yeah <laughs> you know i get this this is tradition and like tradition is like can be awesome but we don't have to do this anymore i know a year after i graduated there were a lot of protests um at yale and like wanting to change the name of some of the the houses or the colleges that were there like my the college that i was a part of because it, it's kind of like separating the houses like in right. uh, Harry Potter some yes. from these schools so my college was Calhoun College and that president particularly had a strong relationship with slavery so there was a lot of protests around that and changing the name right. the name was changed um to um a famous female scientist I'm forgetting her name right now but um yeah I I feel like there's I wasn't aware of that stuff while I was there. There's like part of you that's like in survival mode, like not wanting to like face these realities. Like, right. you know, part of you is like, I'm at a good school and like- You're um, also a kid. Yeah, what? Yeah. I said, you're also like a kid. We all think we're grown up at that age. We don't know shit. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we're trying to know shit. Yeah, and it's also, that's just life. It's like, we're all trapped in these systems that don't benefit all people and are right. based on hierarchy and we have to just do our best sometimes like sometimes it's 
you know, like we're thinking about like the environment right now. Like we all have, a lot of us have cars. A lot of us, you know, have things that do harm to the environment and all this stuff. And it's like <sighs> making conscious choices around it as best you can, but. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. really tough. It's really tough. So um, yeah, the, the race thing at that school is, is still a difficult conversation to have. Um, right. There's so many layers in history. Especially on what it's built on, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that could be, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I don't know myself, but I'm sure that that's a painful thing to think about of school yeah. you go to, you know. It's, it's like, I'm, I'm grateful that I went there. I'm grateful for all the things that I learned. And I, I recognize that I'm privileged to have gone there and, you know, cause people see that on my resume and they say, wow, like that you went there. Yeah. But at the same time, I recognize what, what that doesn't allow for people who didn't go there. Like how people see other people of color differently, um, who have different credentials, even though they're just as worthy of respect and honor. So it's, 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 uh, I don't know, like there's, it's hard to hold all the realities. Right. It's, it's a lot. And then, you know, it, it's crazy to think about, you know, obviously uh, slavery is a very prominent part of American history. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's something that stretches, sadly, it still stretches into some of the biggest institutions, scholastic institutions throughout the mm -hmm. United States. So like you said, you know, small victories like that, getting names changed of buildings. I think that's a beautiful start, to be honest, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, and um, okay, so I wanted to ask you, uh, sexual mm -hmm. orientation, at what age did you know that you were quote unquote societally different? Mm. Ooh, I don't, mm, when did I know that? Um, I think, I think in college. In college. I, I knew I was a little bit different. Um, not until like senior year, actually, like June, end of junior, senior year. Um, I, I had a really tough junior year for reasons I'm not gonna explain, but it mm -hmm. just put me into a space where I was done doing, like looking and doing things to be more appealing to men. Um, mm -hmm. Um, and just like looking pretty in the way that I thought that I needed to be pretty. Um, and because of like the trauma I experienced that year, um, I decided to just like, I had straight hair, long straight hair down to my shoulders for a while. Um, and I just was like, you know, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I chopped it off. I had it short, but I it was still straight. And I looked, I I, I would say it was my Goku look. I, I liked, I liked, okay. I looked every morning. And at that time, because I just didn't want to deal with like thinking about dating or hooking up or anything. I was like, right. I am asexual for the year. Like, I'm not even thinking about it. Um, and then something flipped for me or something like like started to awaken in me I'm not really sure but um you know I became more curious about um women actually women started getting more curious in me I don't know if it was a haircut or what but I was just like, <laughs> used 
I hear and you. No, like, I, I, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. I'm not, I'm like, no. Like, right. And then I started getting more curious about it, um, about what was going on with me. And then um, I just started to become attracted to women. It just became, it just like right. grew more and more and more. That's the best way I can explain it. Um, and then I came out and my senior year to my friends and they were like, um, duh, like, hello, you didn't know. We've been waiting. I was like, yeah. I was like what do you mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I didn't, I didn't understand it for a while. Um, but I guess people just had a feeling and, um, I, yeah, just owned it since then. Um, you know, gradually integrated into my family, which was a process. Um, but you know, yeah, what, what was, what was the, uh, the chat with your parents? Like that's gotta be a tough one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep that private cause I, no problem. I them, um, right, right. right now. Um, but, and maybe one day we'll be open and, and sharing how we got through yeah, it. Of course. Um, but we, it, it was, to put it short, I mean, like, it, it was a process of, like, acceptance right. and just, like, understanding um, who I am now, maybe who I've always been, but just, like, right. um, just kind of reorienting around that, and um, they've done an amazing job um, just um, accepting me and loving me for who I am, and yeah. um, just me and my wife, too, so, um it, it, it was a process though. Um, I think there's something to, especially when we live in a world where everybody expects women to be a certain way or men to be a certain way. And then all of a sudden exactly. this person is like something that we never expected or is doing something that's outside of the norm. I feel like there's always some sort of adjustment and some sort of like, wait, what? Like, how do I, like, are you the same person that I thought that you are kind of thing? Um, so yeah yeah now i always ask because um you know uh my sister's bisexual and my nephew is trans mm -hmm. um you know is it okay for people you know to especially people close to them to take mm -hmm. time and trying to understand the actual you know uh for lack of a better word the severity of feeling you know that somebody is changing in front of them mm -hmm. um you know, a lot of people have hard time with that process. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I always feel that, you know, every, every situation is different, but like, mm -hmm. I, like I always feel, I, I just always feel that people should be, have a right to be the people that they are. Yeah. And, you know, people should be open-minded and sadly, not everybody thinks that way. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's also, I'm also a firm believer in giving people time. Mm -hmm. to to learn and and learn to understand who people really are you know yeah. it, and it's tough and it's tough like you know i'm not i don't know your situation but you know even with my nephew um you know there's some people in the family who have a hard time you know trying to figure everything out and then you know mm -hmm. people like me i'm pretty gung-ho about it mm -hmm. you know I want, I want people to be comfortable but yeah. you know i do understand that people have like a uh, some time that they need to take to, you know, it, it's a process, you know? Yeah. I feel that, I feel like we're each here individually to grow each other. And that gives, that gave me a, like, 
when I was growing with my family, like that, it was just, there was something in it, even though parts of it was tough, there was something in it for me to learn. And there was something in it for them to learn. Like, like you said, like there was a part of me that was like, everybody needs to accept me now and be fine with right. it. Right, right now. Like, because it's unacceptable to be any other thing than intolerant. Like, I especially mu- after you you muster up the courage to say this. Yeah, like you need yeah. to like be ready and good now. Um, yeah. And then, and then I had to learn like, okay, like there were some things that I had to learn and accept growing up and still now, like there's still things that I'm learning. So there's a part of it that, yeah, there needs to be some compassion, some space, some time, and just some acceptance and things are going to be clumsy, that some things are going to be said that are going to sound weird and yeah, all that stuff. And like, sometimes you, and not everybody can afford to do this, but sometimes like you have to put down the hammer, <laughs> like literally like just have to just like let, you know set your boundaries being like this is what i'm not going to tolerate um this is what i can tolerate and hopefully you're okay with that and i understand that you're going through your process and then you know and on the other side people need to learn how to love and accept people and just like let go even if it's something that you're you don't accept or you don't like or right ever just like letting people be who they are yeah and then you know the, the other the, the other thing too um, with my with my nephew is you know trans rights still aren't where they need to be, um, and you know that's something that honest I'll be honest it's always been something that you know I would be in support of if somebody wanted to transition, but you know now that somebody very very close to me is um, mm. is is transgender it's opened my eyes to a lot of you know you know, they, they had the whole thing in Alabama yeah. re- recently. So, you know, I'm, I'm starting to learn more just about the world uh, mm-hmm. of transgender people. So, you know, I have my nephew to thank for that because as people, you know, it, we say we accept everything, but we don't know everything. No, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible to know. So, you know, it's, uh, it's like friends being like, well, no, like I have friends who are gay. It's like, okay, but you don't know what it's like to be gay and deal and deal with <laughs> you know, there's legislations, it, there's writing against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which is, which is a crazy thing to think about, it, you know, as, as a, as a cisgender male, you know, uh, you know, we have it pretty easy. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. you know, we're not facing a lot of legislative, uh, tape. No, but, you know, it, it's just eye opening to, you know, uh, have conversations, with people such as yourself, you know, like uh, have conversations with my friends who are, you know, openly gay. I have friends who are closet, are closeted still. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've only told a handful of people. Yeah. And, you know, I think my acceptance has allowed them to feel a certain way around me. You know, these are people I grew up with for a long time. Wow. Um, you know, and I still see the, the pain and the anguish that they have to deal with, you know, and a lot of them are afraid to tell their parents and, have their family because it's not so much that they're afraid that they're going to, you know, a, a conversation that I have with a friend, he's like, you know, I'm not afraid that my parents are going to disown me. I'm just afraid that my parents are just going to look at me different mm. for the rest, for the rest of my life, you know, and that, those are, those are the things that, you know, I've become a lot more sensitive to yeah. is, 
is the times that they, a lot of, most of the time that they spend alone are the hardest times for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's that feeling lonely, I think is one of the toughest human experiences, just thinking you're alone and what you're going through. And truth is, and I believe this in my heart, if you're going through it, there's somebody else who is too, and somebody else who's moved through it or somebody else who's didn't move through it at all. You know, like we're yeah. all at different stages of our own growth and I think, like I said, I think we're on this planet literally just to learn how to one grow, but how to love more deeply. Like, I think this world has you believing that you need to know it all, that we have a 24 seven news cycle. You have to know every single event that's going on, every single legislation, everything that needs to change. And I don't think that's true. I think it's really being present with the people who are in your lives and like yes. really letting that lead you to what to more compassion to more um deeper relationship and um yeah just en enjoying the process as much as you can i guess <laughs> yeah you know it's like you said like um it could be a very uh dysfunctional news cycle that we're forced into especially mm -hmm. with social media yeah um you know obviously you know if you go by laws let's say American law, mm -hmm. um, it's different than it was 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I think with the, the extremes that social media goes to, um, we we're actually seeing a lot more of this stuff live and in color. Yeah. Uh, no, no pun intended. Um, it's, it's something that, that we're allowed to see now with, mm -hmm. uh, with technology. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, I've gotten to a point where there's sometimes I kind of need to like put my phone down because it's just, it's constant bickering nonsense. It's too much. It's too and much. And that's, yeah. And that time that we're spending that, I'd rather spend it understanding somebody close to me. So I think that's a great point um, mm -hmm. that you brought yeah, up. Otherwise, I think what that does, because I've had to reframe my relationship with social media too. For sure. Because I think what's, sure. what's happened is now like it's, I'm being constantly fed with other people's opinions about various situations that I'm not direct in. And it, 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 make, it makes me feel powerless yes. <laughs> in like yeah. all the awful shit that's going on in the world. And then when I walk around feeling powerless, I lose opportunities that are right in front of me to like correct a lot of these larger systemic issues. Um, because it, it, if you look at big systemic issues, they all happen on a fractal level, like on something like really small. And it's like those right. little actions, um, that hand that you reach out to somebody else that like seeing somebody who's felt so unseen for so long, that, that also helps, I think. It's just the, it, it's, it's also like the thing is, I always say like uh, in America, the middle class is disappearing, right? Um, mm -hmm. And also the middle ground is kind of disappearing too, in terms of even things, obviously with the election, a lot of people lost friendships over these elections. I'm talking yeah. like inner circle stuff. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the president's going to be the president. That's, you know, that's a nationwide thing. But if you look at it, a lot of people don't have the same friends that they had four years ago. Oh, and some of them have been friends for a very, very, very long time. And then even as to something with mask wearing, um, yeah. it's either yay or nay. And then now with the vaccine, 
there's people arguing till they're blue in the face over vac- vaccinations, right. whether to get it, whether not to get it. I'm diabetic and asthmatic. I got that shit as soon as possible. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I was like, I don't yeah. care what anybody thinks right now. Yeah. 80% yeah. after the first yeah. shot, I'm taking yeah. it. <laughs> 90 after the second, let's do it right now. I'll get both in one you. day. Good for you. You know what you need and what, you know? You know, I think a lot of people... A lot of people don't really understand that it's good to be selfish sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to, like you said, make boundaries. I, I, it's a give an inch, take a mile society these days. Mm-hmm. So you have to create these boundaries. Yeah. Um, and lovingly. It's tough. Too. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Lovingly. Lovingly. I, yes. yeah, I, I struggled with this a little bit thinking that setting boundaries was actually just like, being rude to somebody or just like you know like telling them like hey like that's not cool to communicate in this way or please don't text me after 9 p.m i'm not answering i thought that was me like like you said being selfish or just being like straight up just like blocking people yeah really it's just re-establishing relationship in a way that we can both appreciate each other without getting spiteful it's Um, hard it's hard especially even like with social media like you said people people take unfollows like you broke up with them oh yeah and i i also feel guilty for unfollowing certain people that i i do it all the time i feel i I used to feel bad i don't give a shit anymore yeah yeah no even people like in who i know who i'm like i love you but i just don't (laughs) (laughs) i just don't (laughs) i don't no offense but that's that's my boundary right now (laughs) yeah it's just we only can live off the vibes that we allow into ourselves. So yeah. a lot of times is what we allow into our phones. That's mm-hmm. the vibe that we're getting. So it's like, dude, if you're just, yeah. if your vibe is kind of whack, like I'm good. Like it's nothing personal. Yeah, yeah. If I see you, it's what's up. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, you know. I get it. I get it. It's, it's, that was actually a recent growth point for me where I was just like wait I don't have to listen to any of this shit I know but that's why it's like you have a god you have a godlike power uh go back to Dragon Ball Z when when I block somebody or unfollow them I do feel very super saiyanish yeah you know what it's we could we control our false reality I always call social media like it's it's false reality because everyone just posts like oh I did this amazing thing today yeah and all this is amazing stuff I this is what I did and um you know, it's, it's all, it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Or we're all, all or it's the other way or we're hypercritical about stuff. Like yes. everything shitty. And then we're all debating about who has it shittier or like how we think we can correct it. And then you realize that you, you hang out with that person in real life and they're not as like bitter or they're not as like, I don't know. Like we're, we're yeah. trolling. You're each a other. lot. Yeah. You're a lot. You're a lot. <laughs> you're a lot darker online i was uh, now you're very happy yeah. though <laughs> yeah i'm like wow okay <laughs> it's like so, damn i only hung out with you because i thought you were sad you seem to be doing all right yeah <laughs> so it's like it's the, the polar op it's like social media makes things look like life is so black and white and it's not <laughs> no it's not um i want to get into uh the movement uh coach uh-huh. uh first if you can give us the definition of a movement coach, uh, what would it be? Yeah, well, this is something I'm working on right now. Um, I decided 
to call myself a movement coach because I wanted to divorce myself from a fitness coach, um, okay. uh, at least in what it entails right now in this day and age, um, just because, no, I'll get to that later, but a movement coach to me is like someone who helps you like find movement that's enjoyable to you, uh, find movement that helps you feel freer in your own body um, that helps you connect your body to what's going on emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Um, so that's what I'm currently like expanding into and something I'm still cool. studying and still working with my clients on. Um, but, um, as somebody who's been in sports, well, who, who got into quote unquote fitness via sports, I never, like as a kid playing sports, I just did it because it was fun. I wasn't doing right. it because I wanted to look a certain way. I wasn't trying to lose weight. And when I got deeper and deeper, even in the competitive sports world and then CrossFit, I realized like the intentions were just flipped. Like everyone's trying to shrink themselves. Everyone or is either trying to get super swole and yeah. look like men's health magazine. Um, or, you know, whatever their goal, have a big booty, whatever, whatever you want. Everyone was trying to be something other than that they were. Exactly. And I, I nowadays, there was a time when being a muscular black woman was like not attractive in the slightest. Um, but now that, you know, Serena Williams still gets crap, but you know, most people love her at this point. Um, yeah. you know, CrossFit made women having more muscular bodies like more of a trend so i'm in a point in my life and as in, in in the time in society where my body type is actually what a lot of people desire so when i would take on clients people would be like oh like how can i look more like you how can i you know like what do you eat like you must only eat vegetables you must only blah 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 right. and i hate to tell them every time like I actually don't diet I actually I you'd be surprised what I eat this is just naturally who I am and a lot of people don't a lot of people don't understand the genetic side yeah uh, it's it's really hard it's really really hard and if if I'm not able to get them to look more like me or if they you know, for some reason, aren't losing weight in the way that they want to. It either looks like a failure on my part or failure on theirs. And it's like an mm. unfair relationship. Um, and it was really frustrating to me, like over and over again, people coming to me like, oh, I wish I looked like you, like just so much shame and guilt, like in these conversations. Um, and not to say that, you know, I benefit from the system in so many ways, um, but I wanted to change that relationship because I want people to value themselves for who they naturally are. And I want to be able to value myself as who I naturally am, not just because I'm fitting some sort of like, um, you know, disciplinary like award for like no days off and like no, no sugar and all that's like, that's not, that's not who I am. <laughs> it's right. never who right. I've been um so that's why you don't you don't you don't really you don't want to fake the funk you don't want to fake the funk and no i don't i don't want to be like you know i've been i've had interviews in the past where people are like tell us your secrets i'm like i really like 
I have none. I can't. I don't know what you all want. Right. We're being fed uh, a story that is not true. That you know we need to starve ourselves, and we all need to be the same size, and we all need to you know not enjoy food. <laughs> right. That's right. not true. Um. Yeah. So what would you say? All right. I'm a new client, right? Without giving away too much of, uh, yeah. of, of what you provide, what's kind of the um, initial meeting of meeting with a, uh, a movement coach stuff, such as yourself? Yeah. Um, so you would come to me and I would ask you like, yeah. So like, what, what are your goals? Like, what are you looking for in a, in a right. coach? Um, what, have you enjoyed doing in the past? I think that's one of the, like the biggest, like the most important questions that I ask because like I said, I'm, I want you to do stuff that you enjoy. Yes. <laughs> Not that, you know, I don't want to put you on like a treadmill and have you running miles if you hate that. Like, what's the point of that? Um, so starting with what you enjoy and then like, I ask that person like, okay, like, are there any aches and pains going on in your body? Anything that I need to be aware of? Um, and then um, try to figure out um, how we can um, either strengthen muscles around that joint or, um, you know, figure out if there's anything going on emotionally in um, that person's life that could um, be contributing to that pain. Um, that, that, last part I mentioned, I'm still growing in. So, um, right. I just asked just cause I'm curious at this point, but well, yeah, no, it's very it's, true that that stress yeah. can actually manifest into physical pain. It's, it's, it's proven. Oh, it's, it's one of my biggest beliefs. I don't know if everybody's, um, believes that necessarily. I mean, you're, you and I are on the same page, but, mm -hmm. um, I currently work with a kinesiologist and they're also a chiropractor, but they do a lot of like muscle reflex testing where they, um, you know, there it's very linked to like acupuncture points and stuff. And, right. um, very early on in my treatment, um, she discovered that one of the meridians that links my adrenal glands to my left knee where I was having pain, um, was not flowing. And the adrenal glands are connected to our hormones um, and our stress hormones. And if it's overtaxed, then that actually could affect my knee. And I was like blown away that yeah, it's you know, true. I to PT, you know, all my life. But if my this meridian is shut off, it's I still might have problems. So um, <clears throat> just knowing that our bodies are speaking to us in ways that we are only beginning to understand. And I think one of the biggest reframes for me that I've had is that, um, you know, pain in the body is the body's way of telling you that either something's off, you have to move differently or that, um, I don't know, it's, it could, it could be something completely different too. I, I'm, I'm not phrasing this very well at this moment, no, but I've, I don't, I, I, I follow you. Yeah, I stop judging myself for when I feel achy or if I have an injury or something or if I have like an acne flare up or whatever, um, because I know that it's a conversation that's being had. Um, and if I get present enough with it and if I pay attention to it, I can answer that call for whatever I need um, in those moments. Because I feel like 
um, we live in a world where we're so quick to like make pain go away or to numb it or to just like, you know, um, yeah, we just don't want to be in it. It's uncomfortable. Right. Pain is super uncomfortable and it's not something that we choose, but I, I feel a lot like of people you, don't want to know the why, like you're saying, a lot yeah, of people don't want to know the why. The root, the root issue, right? Um, right? And it might be something that is not what the doctors tell you. Like sometimes I, I find like, I don't know when earlier on in my, my journalism career, when I was doing all, I was doing the most, I was just working really hard. I was just, um, I was doing CrossFit all the time. And I was just like, I don't know. I was doing all the things I thought I was supposed to do. And I had like really bad indigestion. I would just take Tums. I literally yeah. just take Tums for it to go away. And yeah, I, I did it yesterday. That. Yeah, my indigestion yeah. was about way more than just what I was eating or anything. I was literally just like not living the life that I was supposed to. And it was reflecting in my gut. That's what I feel. Yeah. Um, so, and now to say there's, this is like a cure-all for everything. I'm not like mentioning that, but there, there's, right. there's just, there's a conversation that I think a lot of us are not having with ourselves. Um, well, that's basically. With me, um, you know, I have panic disorder. So for me to honestly get a, a grasp on it and a better hold on it is I needed to figure out physically why this is happening. So mm -hmm. I had to learn a lot about the brain's uh, fight or flight uh, system. Yeah. And mm -hmm. why this is happening, why I'm getting these physical sensations in my hands that, you know, um, mm -hmm. my fight or flight is just very overreactive. So if right. I get tingly hands, I have to realize that my blood is leaving my hands and going to my bigger muscles. Mm, so you can get away from so the I, tigers. So yeah, so I can either fight or or flight. And then mm. also the other thing is, is so if I were to get bit, this is, mm. all goes back to when we were just walking mm. around. Mm -hmm. um, that if I got bit on my hand, it wouldn't bleed as much. Mm. There were things that I had to realize. Why mm -hmm. is my, my heart starts pumping faster? Because mm -hmm. it needs to get blood to my muscles quicker. Yeah. So yeah. I needed to, I needed to learn all of these things to fully get a grasp, you know, mm -hmm. the best that I can panic disorder is a day to day thing, but yeah, to be able to understand, all right, listen, now I know why my feet are tingling mm -hmm. because look, I went to every doctor, mm -hmm. I went everywhere and they were like, dude, you're mm -hmm. good, man. You yeah. need to go to therapy. You need to go to therapy though. Right. 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 So, you know, I, I, I learned cognitive behavioral therapy and I still study it today. Oh, and great. yeah, yeah. So it really helped me figure out the, the mental is so tied to the physical um, yeah. that it, a lot of it really does start here. Um, yeah. You know, especially even to just be goal oriented, but also to figure out this is what I need to do. Like this week, I just started exercising again. So it's like, mm -hmm. for me, it's, I've noticed that my brain um, in terms of being motivated is not yeah. so me myself. So I'm retraining my brain, just like how I had to retrain my brain to understand the fight or flight. So I, I, I am a firm believer that the mental is extremely tied to what we feel physically. Yeah, um, it is. And it's, so, it's, it's a lot so of what true. it is. Mm -hmm. 
unfortunately, there was a point in I think our scientific studies where we really thought all of our existence was up here mm -hmm. and didn't understand that we have other centers of cognition within the body. Yes. Um, and so now we're only just understanding like, oh, wait, gut health has something to do with my brain. Like, Yeah, I didn't know anything about gut health till like three years ago. Yeah, like, wait, there's like trillions and trillions of like, you know, bacteria and stuff that have their own consciousness that affects I didn't know. consciousness. Are we actually just like billions of like mini consciousnessness that are like like are we actually one thing i don't think so it's the, like <laughs> the, the human body is so gangster that we're never going to fully understand no we're not we're not and we're not and it's amazing that we know as much as we do especially because a lot of you people at yale whatever you know uh you know so I for me I didn't even if if you weren't writing if you weren't writing, uh, if you weren't um, working with movement, mm -hmm. if you didn't play soccer, what would you think you'd be doing? Dancing. There you I'd go. Be a dancer. Yes. And uh, this is the last question. Um, it's a very personal one. So if you don't want to answer, okay. it's perfectly fine. How's your cat? <laughs> ah, Shakira, <laughs> aka Shaka. He's good. Actually, what kind of cat is it? Um, a, I think a tabby. Tabby. Yeah, standard tabby. Um, we adopted him when he was five years old. Was identified as a, a female at the time. His name was Shelby. We disliked that name very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these we, whoever's naming these animals at these adoption agencies, we gotta get we gotta do better. I know, I know. You're so, so bad. Yeah. So we came up with the name Shakita, um, like the singer. And then uh -huh. we discovered like a year or maybe it was sooner after. I don't remember, but it was like the third vet appointment. Our vet was like, uh, uh yeah, this cat's a boy. <laughs> Our cat's a dude. Yeah, we didn't know. Like all the paperwork since this cat was um, owned by a different owner, owner said it was a female. Yeah, horrible vet, vets before that. I know, we don't we don't know what was going on. So we changed his name to Shaka um, or Shaka Zulu. Um, mm -hmm. So, but at, the, at first it was either Shakita, Shaka, any pronouns are good. Um, and then all of a sudden he just like sticks more. So he doesn't care, the cat doesn't care. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. As long as we feed him. So he's now good. the argument always is it's cats or dogs, right? That's a, that's always the argument. Are are you a dog person or are you a cat person through and through? I love dogs. I do. Um, but I have to say that I'm a cat person, and maybe because I grew up with having so many cats, I had one I was crawling around with one since I was a baby. So I have a fondness for right. cats that that is not shared with dogs but i would like we we want a dog eventually so yeah it, i'm a big i'm a big dog person uh i had i had a burmese for like 20 years oh wow uh yeah um yeah so uh griffey uh named after ken griffey jr li lived a long time uh rest in peace griffey um oh, okay. the one thing i always give cats over dogs is they're individuals 
Mm-hmm. They take care of themselves. Yeah. If they want love, they'll come and get it. They eat, they go to the bathroom, they do their thing. They're like a roommate. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. dogs, dogs, I mean, dogs are very attached. Yeah, dogs really are needy, which I think I couldn't handle for some time, but I might yes. be ready for one. Yeah, mine, mine just walked over here so yeah he just laid on the floor um but Adele listen yes he knows he knows um also the other thing I wanted to ask you too um uh, the importance of pronouns right um yeah for someone who you know a lot of people just aren't okay with pronouns it's just a fact a lot of people it's either they don't they don't know why um as somebody you know, who obviously, you know, um, like you even, you even made a joke about your, your cat's pronouns, right? Yeah. What, 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 what is the importance of pronouns in identifying people by what they want to be known as? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get why people have an issue with it because it's just practical, just all around, like, right. especially when you're communicating via email and you see a name that doesn't necessarily have like a gender association with it. I sit there and I stare and I'm like, oh my gosh, like what do I call this person or how do I address them? Like I don't want to get it wrong because I've been misgendered so many times throughout my life. And at this point it doesn't really bother me at all when it happens, but there was a time when it did bother me. Um, So I just, I mean, share your pronouns and then people know exactly how to treat you when they right. speak about you. It's the same thing to me, I think, when we're talking about setting boundaries. Because um, it just it just makes it easier. Like, you don't have to, like, accidentally step on somebody's toe, um, you know. Um, so, I, I don't know. I have a hard time understanding why people are just, like, resistant to pronouns. I think it's a, probably a larger resistance in, at that point. But it's just convenient even if right. you don't identify as queer right you know? <laughs> all right absolutely um you know i think a lot of it just comes down is uh people have a hard time changing yeah uh, what they think is normal and people don't understand that it is normal to uh identify as something else so uh we have to you know as people kind of just keep fighting for that change. And I think in time it will uh, get to that yeah, point where, pe- where people stop complaining about everything. It's just, we live in a very complainy time right now. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's very easy to do so, that's why. <laughs> and yes. easy find, so easy to find company, but I think, yeah. I think once we understand where people are coming from and like yes. how we can demonstrate how it's like beneficial for everybody to just share in that way um i think we'll yeah eventually it will shift yeah because even even for me even for me sometimes i catch myself and i'm like ah, damn it. like you know i'm just like i didn't mean to do it because it's just like yeah so it's like i i always like um you know i get very apologetic if that happens Mm-hmm. you know and i'm just like oh, I, I did not mean to do because there's a difference between you know i slipped up and people that are just to be like no nah, i'm gonna call them this or that oh, or, yeah. or or him or her because that's what they are that's the difference yeah yeah you know? yeah it's all about to me intention like what is your yeah. vibe behind it um and For then sure. 
being quick to, to repair when, when that, um, when that happens, because none of us are immune to making mistakes. Like even the people who claim to be the most, you know, educated or the most liberal about something, the most woke, they still, yeah, I am done with the woke Olympics. I'm done because so I'm over it. I did because I realized I'm stupid. I was just like, no, I don't, I don't know everything. <laughs> no one does. No one yeah. does. And no one, can, no one can own that as a status. No one can. <laughs> so no. nobody could say they're woke anymore because you don't know shit. Yeah. So if let's all start from where we are and just as humans and just be like, okay, like, and then I feel like that's, that's a relief. Like, oh my gosh, like, I don't have to win this, this game that we've started. Uh, it's too I much. Be, yeah, it's too much. I can just be me and, and hopefully be in a community that's loving and understanding enough to hold me in my, in my complexity, in my, in my shadow self, in my light self, whatever I am that day. And, um, that's what we want, right? Isn't that what we want? Not to be yeah, right. I just, no, I don't want to be, I would, I just want to help everybody just be happy. I, I got enough problems. Why don't I want somebody else yeah. to have problems? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, so. you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's too much. Um, listen, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sure you're super busy. Um, yeah. Anything that you want to promote, uh, just let me know. You can go ahead and tell us right now and then we can post some links underneath and uh, for people to get in sure. touch with you. Um, well, I've got a couple of things in the works, so I wish they were ready now for me to share for you. But if you want to follow my stuff, my work, um, you can follow me on Instagram at um, Adele Jackson 26. Um, I'm coming out with a multimedia book, a book of essays about my relationship with soccer, being a black queer woman and all that stuff over the years. Very so cool. if you're interested in that, um, that will be coming out, starting to be coming out um, next month, actually. <laughs> so oh, great. Um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. But yeah. Do we have a, do we, do we have a date yet? A tentative date? Uh, tentative date, May 14th. Um, nice. The series of called here for the long ball and uh it will be great it is awesome. already great uh, it is already great and when it's done um let us know so we could promote it and we could shoot it out sounds good danny all right adele thank you so much for taking your time guys this has been off the cuff i want to thank adele jackson gibson uh for coming and hanging out with me and uh putting up with me um thank you for again me, Danny. Know you. <laughs> any anytime and like i said um you know best of luck with everything uh i'm i'm happy to talk to people of all walks of life and uh honestly this has been one of the most uh fun conversations i've had uh doing the show so i really want to thank you for coming on hey. uh you can follow the show at one one otc you can always uh instagram me i do I, I know i have i get a lot of dms so if you can't get through to me please dm uh at one one otc uh, make sure to join the private uh, mental health Facebook group. Uh, I will be putting the link below and uh, go check out Adele's book when it comes out or I'll find you. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week and I appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. All right. Thanks, Danny. Have a good one.